Welcome to the Littlestown Chapel podcast. When you get an opportunity, check us out on the web at littlestownchapel.org. Now, we hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott Morgan. Aloha. (laughs) One last hurrah before school starts and summer ends and all of that. Okay, so how about that? Somebody wanted to know if I was going to do the hula, and I just said no. (laughs) Just want to let you know that. Okay. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I can say mele kalikimaka, and that's about it. So Merry Christmas. Anyway, all right. Today, we're finishing our, our exploration of the, the whole journey to discover our identity in Christ. And we've been looking at Paul's letter to the church of the Ephesians in ancient Asia Minor and his challenge to them about understanding who they are in Christ. And we're going to wrap it all up today with a reminder of who we are in Christ And what one of the greatest privileges we have as Christians, as people who are in the image of God, created in the image of God, and saved in the name of Jesus Christ, one of the greatest and most powerful privileges that we have been given. And my hope today and my prayer today is that when you and I leave, we will be committed to utilizing this great privilege in such a tremendous way. But before we get into all that, I just want us to, in our mind's eye, go up to the battlefield at Gettysburg. You all have probably visited there uh, many times, driven through. It's a very scenic, lovely place. It's hard to imagine that over, 600, over 150 years ago, it was such a, a violent, deadly, bloody place, noisy place, bodies laying everywhere, houses and buildings destroyed because of the three-day battle. Just a horrific time, a bloody, bloody set of days uh, in 18. 1863. And as we think about Gettysburg and we go to the the battlefield, the National Cemetery there, and we remember Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and that famous speech, and we drive around the battlefield, we see all these memorials and monuments to great heroes of that battle, great groups of soldiers from the different states around our country that fought in that battle and and bravery and leadership and and heroism and sacrifice are honored by all those monuments that we see. You can go into the visitor center and they'll have maps talking about the strategy of the battle and these soldiers went here and this army did this and this general made a mistake and did that and this one did this and this is why the battle turned out the way it did. This is why the war was won the way it was. And we see all of these things, whatever battlefield and national memorial that we go to that honors and recognizes the sacrifices of the soldiers of the Civil War. But you never see a memorial or a monument for the thing that really wins wars. This last year, I was reading a book called The Savage War or A Savage War, and it's written by two historians that teach at West Point. And as they analyzed the Civil War and they talked about General Lee and General Grant and Jefferson Davis and Abraham Lincoln and the, you know, the Grand Army of the Republic and the Army of the Confederacy and as they talked about all the strategy and movements of the different theaters of conflict from 1861 to 1865, the one thing that just rises to the surface in all of it, there's one thing that wins a war and if you don't have this, you're gonna lose. 
And I know it's something that's right on the tip of your tongue. It's logistics. And some of you are going, huh? What are you talking about? Logistics, it's the ability to move your soldiers quickly from one point to another point to exploit an opportunity in battle. It's the ability to move your material, your weaponry, your, your materials, your, your food and your ammunition and supplies that your soldiers need. It's the ability to keep the communication lines open so that the different forces can coordinate with each other. And the reason why the North won the Civil War is because of better logistics ultimately. Yeah, you need to be brave in battle, and you need good leadership, and yes, you need all kinds of superior weaponry. You need all those kinds of things, but if you can't get them to where they need to fight, it doesn't work. The battle's lost, no matter how heroic people are on the battlefield. Prayer is all about logistics. When it comes to spiritual warfare, and fighting the good fight for what's right when taking a stand against the forces of evil, you and I need to understand that prayer is what mobilizes the resources of God, the power of God, and the people of God to be able to go out and fight and win the war. Now, we've talked about that, you know, we're, we're in followers of Christ, and because we're followers of Christ, we're in his army. And if we're in Christ's army, then we've got these supernatural foes. And if we have these supernatural foes, then we definitely need God's power. And God's power is available to us through the weapons that are described in Ephesians chapter 6. And so when we talk about things like the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, we come away from all that thinking, yeah, let's march out into battle. Let's fight these spiritual foes because if you wear the weapons, you win the war. That's true. But I made a mistake last week, kind of on purpose. I didn't tell you how to put the weapons on. I didn't tell you how to wear the weapons, how to wear the armor. That's because we need to talk about that today. Because it's in prayer that you put the weapons on. It's in prayer that you mobilize for spiritual battles. It's in prayer that we prevail against the forces of evil. And so really, as we finish up this one year and get ready to launch into a new year of the church calendar, we need to understand that ultimately the most important thing that we could ever give our time to and our energy to is prayer. I know right away some of you are saying, that sounds so boring, that doesn't sound exciting. Where's the battle in prayer? If you've ever tried to pray and failed, if you've ever been discouraged in prayer, if you've ever felt like your prayers were bouncing off the ceiling, you know what I'm talking about, the spiritual warfare. Prayer's a battle. It's a battle that we have to fight every day. It's a battle that we have to engage in every day if we're going to unleash the power of God and prevail against the forces of evil. And so the passage that we're looking at today in Ephesians chapter 6 as we finish up this exploration of this, this wonderful New Testament letter and we've learned all about our identity in Christ the call here at the end of the book is that we would prevail in prayer. Because in prayer, we do prevail. 
It's when we persist in prayer that we prevail, that we actually win the battle. And so the call today for all of us, the call to arms today is to get down on our knees and to pray, to stand up and lift our hands in prayer as we're driving down the road, not not closing our eyes and praying, but praying from our hearts and crying out to God and asking God to work in a powerful way in our midst because the, the enemies are stronger than us and the situations and battles that we're in are bigger than us and we're weak and we're foolish and we don't know what to do, but God does and he can. And we call on him in prayer. The old saying is, it's been said all the time, and it's a bit obvious, you can't do more than pray until you've prayed. Because when you pray, God works. His power is unleashed. So we're reading today in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read again verses 10 through 20. We've read this the last couple weeks, but just to kind of remind us of the spiritual war that we're in. And today, I I need to tell you up front that uh, um, we're going to do things just a little bit different in that we're going to preach for a while, we're going to talk for a while, and I'm going to stop, and we're going to pray together and do some praying. And then we're going to come back and give you round two of the message, okay? So I'm just kind of warning you ahead of time that when we stop preaching and start praying, it's not time for you to get up and leave. Don't do that, okay? Just Because some of you will be tempted to do that. All right. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is page 979 if you'd like to use one of the Bibles from the church in front of you. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm." Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. In verses 18, 19, and 20, Paul tells us about all-out prayer, or prevailing prayer would be another way to describe it. And I want you just to notice that in this sentence, verse 18 in particular, there's no main verb. That's because it actually connects back to what is said in verse 14 when we're commanded to take a stand. 
In verse 14, we're told to stand. It's an imperative. It's a command. Start doing this. Keep doing it. And as we take this stand against evil, we're told you take that stand by taking your belt of truth and putting on your breastplate of righteousness and wearing the gospel shoes of peace and putting on the, you know, taking up the shield of faith and picking up your helmet and wearing it and grabbing your sword. You, you stand by taking on all the pieces of armor. And then in verse 18, he says, and you stand by praying. You stand by crying out to God and depending upon him in prayer. I'm not saying, and I don't believe Paul is saying that prayer is like a seventh weapon. I don't think it's that. I think rather what we have here is that as you and I pray, the other weapons are utilized. The other weapons are put on and put to good use. This is what we need to do. It's like the foundation of our standing. It's the, it's the continual relying on God to utilize the weapons that we need. It's depending on him for guidance and resources and strength. It, 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 it supports and sustains every aspect of our fighting for what is right and good. We are to pray, it says, at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. We are to keep alert with all perseverance and making supplication for all the saints. Did you catch that? Four times in that one sentence, he uses the word all. And that's why I say it's all out prayer. The idea, it's, it's to be prevailing prayer. It's intense prayer. It's, it's holding nothing back prayer. It's prevailing prayer. And so I think if we looked at these alls in this verse, we'll be able to see four characteristics of prevailing prayer. They're, they're kind of obvious, but I'd like to just take a moment and make sure that we see the obvious because the obvious is not always apparent and we need to make sure that we notice it. Now notice what he says, we're to pray at all times. There's never a situation that doesn't need prayer. There's always a need to pray, whatever the circumstance. When you're driving along and nobody else is on the road and there's, there's no danger, no, no one cutting you off, no traffic jams, you're gonna get to your, you know, the GPS says you're gonna arrive at your destination on time, you better be praying <laughs> because something's gonna come. There's a need to pray. Your children need your prayers. Your spouse needs your prayers. You need to be praying at your work. Do you do that? Do you ever pray about your job? Do you ever pray about the relationships with your coworkers or with your boss? Besides just when you're having your performance review and you're praying, God, give me a raise, give me a raise, give me a raise. A little more than that. Praying about how you work and get along, that this project would be accomplished well. Do you pray about that? Do you pray for your students? Do you pray for your coworkers? Do you pray for your neighbors? At all times, we are called to pray. As the need arises, take the time to pray. And that could just be muttered under your breath. That can be just prayed in your heart. Maybe you actually pull off the road, put the car in park, close your eyes, and concentrate on praying something. It certainly includes taking some time at the beginning of your day and pray. And maybe it's even taking some time before you go to bed and pray. And maybe it's during your lunch break you actually get off by yourself. Maybe it's taking a walk. Everybody else goes out and takes a smoke break. Why don't you take a prayer break? And just take a moment and you're just saying, Lord, in this moment I'm asking you to just work through the situations of my day. Just to pause, to stop, and ask God to work in your situation. All out prayer, prevailing prayer, prays at all times as the Lord prompts you to do so. 
It says we are praying at all times in the Spirit. We're to pray with all prayer and supplications. The second all that we notice there. This is just simply this little phrase, all prayer and supplications. It's just talking about the various kinds of prayers. You know, there are very eloquent prayers that are written in Scripture. Whole chapters are devoted to prayer. The Lord's Prayer, it's like a template, a pattern that we should pray. Maybe you grew up in a church and you memorized written out prayers like as part of a catechism. Maybe you just pray whatever is on your heart and you just give it to the Lord. That's, That's good praying. My favorite prayer, it's real simple. Help! That works. It really does. A friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, we were talking one time and trying to encourage each other spiritually as we were struggling with temptation and things. He talked about a time how he was tempted, tempted to look at some things that were immoral and he knew were wrong, knew that he should not do that. It was such a strong pull. It was such a strong struggle. And he was really fighting to resist it. And he didn't know what to do. And he finally just lifted his hands up and he said, Daddy! Just an affectionate name for our Heavenly Father. Daddy! And it's like the power of the pull of that sin at that moment was broken. There's nothing magical in the name Daddy. It's not a, a good luck charm. It's not a spell that you cast. It's nothing like that. It's crying out to your Heavenly Father. That's one of the very most powerful kinds of praying in that moment of desperation to cry out to your Heavenly Father, Jesus, help me! Fill me, Spirit. Father. Crying out in that moment. So we're praying at all times, and we're praying with all kinds of prayers. Whatever the need requires, we're praying at that moment. I personally find some of those older prayers written by the Puritans, written in the Book of Common Prayer, and places like that, those written out prayers, those kind of liturgical prayers, they help me at times when I don't feel like I can pray or I don't know what to pray about. And just reading along and trying to put my heart into what I'm reading as I'm saying it out loud often helps me pray. To take a passage like the the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, or the Lord's Prayer, or even Psalm 1, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but instead meditates on God's word. These passages of scripture, use them as a framework for your praying as you pray for others and as you pray for yourself. All kinds of prayers at all times were to be devoted to prayer because, listen, prayer prevails. And if prayer prevails, and if we're truly at war, then we need to utilize every weapon we have, and prayer is the foundation of our strength in God and our relationship with Him. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Literally keep watching. Keep, you know, be aware. Don't be blindsided by things going on in life. Keep aware. Keep alert. Keep awake with all perseverance. What is all perseverance? All perseverance is a, is a steadfastness. It's a, it's a steadiness. It's a faithfulness. It's being committed to something and not giving up. It has this this description that's part of the definition. It's the idea of a relentlessness. I'm going to relentlessly pray. And even if I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the walls and seals, I'm going to keep praying. 
And even if everybody else says it's useless to pray about it, I'm going to keep praying. And even if I have to pray and pray and pray and pray, I'm going to keep praying. Tim Keller tells a story about a woman who prayed for over 25 years for the college in her town that a Christian ministry to students would start there. It took 25 years of praying, but that Christian student ministry started. And what if she had quit at 24? What if somebody said, well, that's such a pagan campus. Don't bother praying for them. No, she prevailed in prayer. She modeled this persistence. You keep, pray, you keep praying and you don't give up. That's what we're called to do. We're called to keep praying. Now, why? How can we keep praying when it seems so discouraging? It's to remember how good and faithful God is. And yes, his timing is not my timing. And his ways are not my ways. So I have to trust him and learn to wait on him because his timing is perfect even when I don't understand it. Because I don't have to have all the answers. I just have to trust my heavenly father who does have all the answers as well. Knowing that, I can prevail in prayer. I can keep going in prayer. I can persist in prayer. So prevailing prayer, all-out prayer. It's praying at all times, all different occasions. It's using all kinds of prayers, and it's keeping at it. You pray always, and you don't give up. You don't quit. You keep praying. But then notice also, he says that as you're doing this, as you're praying this way with all perseverance, you're making supplication, you're making requests You're petitioning God for all the saints. This is called intercessory prayer. We're interceding like a lawyer for his client or her client in court, interceding to the judge. We're interceding for other people to our heavenly Father. Father, would you please help these folks that are sick? Would you please help my friend who doesn't yet believe understand how Christ died for them, him, how Christ lives for him, how he can give the gift of eternal life? Would you give him understanding? Would you open his eyes? I know so often we're, we're discouraged and frustrated by the people that reject Christ in our culture. We say, God, I wish you just would really slam them. That's not intercessory prayer. There's, there are prayers like that in the Psalms. Those are called imprecatory prayers, but that's not what I'm talking about today intercessory prayer is praying for all the saints it's interceding on behalf of other Christians and we're called to do that this is actually something that's very different about Christianity compared to other religions believe it or not other religions have prayer I mean if you're a Hindu you pray if you're a Jew you pray if you're a Muslim you really pray but it's you and God you and your God you and your God prayer is personal me and God we talk me and Allah me and whichever one of the 300 million gods that you worship in Hinduism. You, you, You pray to that deity. Christianity is different. Yes, you pray to the God, the creator, the king of the universe. You pray to him. You cry out to him. But there's a horizontal dimension. We pray for one another. You don't see that in other religions. There's a horizontal dimension where we lift up the burdens of each other and we help each other. You know, soldiers, when they're putting their armor on, and this was true in ancient Rome and the Roman legions, and it's true today with our soldiers out on the battlefield, you know, they've, they've got to get their, their equipment on, they've got to 
check their rifle, they've got to get their pack on, they've got to get their helmet, their night vision goggles, all the things that they're wearing, and they check each other. You start suiting up, you start putting this on, and your buddy, your, your battle buddy comes up and he says, okay, it looks like the strap's kind of loose, let's tighten that up, you know, come on, let me, let me help you lift the pack up and get it up higher on your shoulders so it's more comfortable. Here, let me look at your weapon. We're checking each other, battle buddies. Prayer is about being a battle buddy, about helping each other in battle. And so as we look at the weapons of our warfare that we read about in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 to 16 and 17, we should be praying for each other. Lord, I pray that, that these brothers and sisters would put on that belt of truth that they'd not believe the lies of Satan, but believe your truth. And I pray that you'd help us each to put on that righteousness. Help us to see that we're right in Christ and it doesn't matter what anybody accuses us, accuses us of because we've been forgiven and accepted by you. We're right with you. And, and Lord, help us to put on those shoes of the gospel peace that we stand in your peace and stand ready to share that good news with other people. Help us to wear that shield, take up that shield of faith to trust you, have that believing loyalty in you. And Lord, help us to wear that helmet of salvation, remembering that in Christ, my mind belongs to him. It's clean, it's pure in Christ. And I can remember the hope of my salvation. And through all of it, Lord, help me never let go of that sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. I pray that you'd open my mind and my eyes to understand your truth, to believe it in my heart, to fill my mind with it, to use it in temptation and to use it to be a witness. We can pray for each other that way. Battle buddies pray for each other. Do you have a battle buddy? (laughs) Do you have a sister in Christ that will stand with you as you pray for your husband and pray for your kids? Do you have a battle buddy? Do you have a battle buddy that will pray for you as you struggle with your temptations and you want to love your wife better and be the better dad for your kids that they desperately need to be the better grandfather? Do you have a battle buddy that will pray for you to be a faithful witness at your work? Caring, respecting, loving and serving your fellow employees? Being a witness to them? Do you have a battle buddy? You need one. And that's really what this passage is calling us to. And maybe it's just simply saying, I'm going to pray for you and I'm hoping that you're going to pray for me. At the beginning of the summer back in June when Dr. Angotti and Mrs. Angotti were here, remember, they asked us to pray for each other. They challenged us to pray for each other. And, and many of us took one of these pink, if you were a lady, you took, I hope, took one of the pink cards and you prayed for that sister. Someone told me today that they've been praying for, the, for a, a sister in Christ here at church. And I was really happy to hear that. And, and if you're a guy, you got one of these blue cards with some other man's name and, and you've been praying for that person. I, I, had, I got to have two cards and I've been praying for those two guys all summer. I forgot a couple days, but I tried to get back to it. I hope somebody's been praying for me because I desperately need it. This is, this is what it means to be a battle buddy in prayer that we're remembering each other and lifting each other up in Christ. We desperately do that. That's a core of being a member of a growth group. That's the core of being part of the elder board of our church. That's the core of really what it means to follow Christ. All out prayer, prevailing prayer. Yes, you're praying all kinds of prayers and all kinds of times and you're doing it with persistence. You don't quit. You do it all the time and you're doing it for all the saints. 
And you can say, well, somebody else has the gift of intercession. I don't need to do, pray for them. Somebody else is praying for them. Pastor Scott and the elders are praying for them. That's fine, but they need your prayers. Because what if I forget to pray for you? <laughs> what if the elders don't know to pray for you, but somebody else does? You'll need their prayers. Do you get what I'm saying? We cover each other that way. Prayer is that covering fire that we offer to protect each other so we move forward in doing the work that God has called us to do. Prayer, it needs to prevail if we're gonna win the war. Now I want you to notice something. Those alls, all times, all kinds, all persistent, all persistence and praying for all the saints, that's our part in prayer that prevails. But you need to notice God's part. This is really the power behind prevailing prayer because in the middle of verse 18, I want you to notice what it says. It's easy just to kind of read over it really fast and miss it, but it says we are to pray with all prayer and supplication. We pray at all times. What's the next phrase? Right there at the beginning of the verse. Praying at all times in the spirit. Not your spirit, not my spirit. You know, if I have a good attitude and feel like praying today, I pray. No, it's praying in the Holy Spirit. It's asking the Holy Spirit to help you as you pray. You see, prayer is a partnership with the Holy Spirit. We're told in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, that there are times we don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. He prays for us and prays with us with groanings that we don't even understand. The Spirit is actually praying for you and praying for me. You might be surprised to know this, to hear this, that when you become a Christian, God's own Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. He indwells you. And one of the reasons he indwells you is not just to make you spiritually alive and not just to mark you as God's child, but he's to guide you and empower you and help you to pray. He's your partner in prayer. The Spirit of God will prompt you to pray. He'll give you that little holy nudge. You're going along and you see someone that's struggling, maybe a coworker is admitting to you that something's going rough at home. I had this happen just the other day, a neighbor, I was talking to my neighbor, I'd gotten home from work and, and uh, you know, I'm unloading the car and carrying my stuff back into the house and he's out in his yard working and he's got this big bandage wrapped around his arm which hadn't been there the last time I saw him. And he said, I said, how are you doing? He said, well, you know, I'm still battling this cancer. And I, I hate to admit that I kind of had forgotten how bad the situation was because we had talked about it earlier in the summer and I just, and he's telling me and I thought, you know what? I just felt the nudge, the holy nudge. Pray for him. And I just kind of said, gulp, real quick. Lord help. I just said, can I pray for you right now? Yeah, I really need it. And we stopped in the middle of the street and prayed. Now, we didn't let any cars hit us, but we were standing there, and we prayed together. And as I walked in the house, he started walking in his house. I said, are you okay? He says, no, I just got this big lump in my throat. <laughs> to take the time to pray. The Holy Spirit will nudge you to pray. Have anybody here, anybody here, ever wake up in the middle of the night and can't get back to sleep? 
okay. A couple of us are going like this. Some of us are going like this. Yeah, I have that happen too. I I wake up and I'm just thinking about you (laughs) and church or my kids. You guys are at the top of the list, okay? I think about about the future. I think about my kids. I think about my family. I think about the church, issues of church, and I just, I pop awake. Bing! And I'm wide awake, and I'm just thinking about stuff, and I can't get back to sleep. Do you know what I have found the best thing to do in that moment? Is I just go ahead. I don't fight it. I go get up. I go into the living room. I kneel down by the couch, and I pray. I pray for whatever the issue is or issues might be. If it's the kids, I just start praying through the kids. I start praying about the needs of the church. I start praying for the things that I'm struggling with. I'm starting, and I pray until I start yawning. And then I figure it's safe to go back to bed. I don't know what time that is. I, I don't know. I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. It's just, it's a little thing I know to do. There are times where the Lord will wake you up in the middle of the night and you need to pray. And you just go do it. You don't go running to the doctor and say, I can't sleep. Just take that as a moment to pray. Maybe you just feel overwhelmed with the needs of a situation. Just take it in prayer. That's the Holy Spirit giving you the holy nudge to go pray. He's your partner in prayer. He's the ultimate battle buddy. And he's praying for you and he's nudging you to pray as well. Not only does he nudge us, he's our partner in prayer and he prompts us to pray but he also in this we pray in the spirit he gives us the energy to pray because there are times I don't feel like praying I'm too busy I'm too distracted maybe I'm having doubts I don't know that prayer even works I don't know that it, it even matters who am I to pray why do I need to pray they should be praying for themselves I think that no I'm called to pray and so are you And in that moment, the Spirit of God can give the energy and the wisdom of what to pray about and to go ahead and just do it, to just pray. We pray in the Spirit. It's not just about us reciting a set of words. It's not us just trying to argue with God and persuade Him. We're crying out to God, and as the Spirit of God prompts us and guides our praying, we're crying out to Him, and He's answering our prayers in His time and in His way. Believe in prayer, my friends, because prayer prevails when we pray in the power of God's Spirit. It really does. Now, I want you to notice, though, what Paul asked for prayer. I mean, you probably have a list as long as your arm of things that you're concerned about, that you're praying for. Things for your kids, your grandkids, your job, your finances, your future, friends that you care about here at church, and it just keeps on going. In fact, your arm probably needs to be even longer. You're praying about that kind of stuff. I want you to notice something, though, that Paul prayed for. And this, to me, is shocking. All right? In verse 19, as he just said, pray for all the saints. And by the way, I'm one of those saints. In verse 19, he says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, you know where Paul is at as he writes this letter? He's not in his office at his desk. He's in a, a jail cell or under house arrest. He's, he's chained up to a Roman guard and he's awaiting his trial before the emperor Nero. Now, 
if you knew you were on trial before the president or the Supreme Court and the, the verdict would either be set free or you get executed, what would you be praying for? Please don't let them kill me. Please don't let them kill me. Please don't let them execute me. Please save me. Please rescue me. Please set me free. That's what I'd be praying for. Paul doesn't pray for that. He sees this as an incredible opportunity to declare the mystery of the gospel to the highest powers in the Roman Empire, to the emperor himself, to the magistrates. Paul gets to make a defense regarding the charges against him. He gets to defend himself, and in the process, he gets to declare the message of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is praying, he's asking for others to pray. I'm asking you to pray that, that words would be given to me. Not, he knew the message, but Lord, help me formulate how to say this in the proper way, a clear way, a convincing and persuasive way. That, that I may proclaim boldly, without hesitation, without reservation, to fearlessly, courageously explain the gospel to these that are in authority. I'm praying for that, that I may be, proclaim the mystery of the gospel. The, the, the message that we have is mysterious to people. They don't get it. I mean, we're telling people you can't work for this. It's not by being religious that you get God's peace and his grace. It, it's not by earning his favor somehow. You could never earn it. It's a gift. It was a secret in the past and now it's been revealed. That's why evangelism often is so hard. It's, the message is mysterious to people. And so Paul is saying, Lord, give me boldness. Lord, give me wisdom to make it clear and persuasive. And then notice in verse 20, he says, the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The word chains there are literal chains. He was manacled, he was handcuffed to a Roman guard as he's writing these words or dictating these words that are being written down on a piece of parchment. That soldier is standing right there and there's Paul giving this information, plotting his defense, thinking about how he's going to share the gospel, praying to God, interceding for him. Paul's chained up at that time. He's explained that several times already in this letter. And these are not metaphorical chains. These are literal chains of iron. He's a prisoner. And the thing is, he says, I'm an, I'm an ambassador. I've come from the court of the emperor of the universe, the creator of the entire universe, and I represent him to the emperor of the Roman Empire. And I'm bringing a message from the king of kings and lord of lords, and I'm declaring it to the kingdom of Rome, and I haven't been given diplomatic immunity because I'm in chains. Rome has thrown me in jail. And yet, instead of complaining and being bitter, and angry over his imprisonment, over his persecution, over the times in his past when he had been tortured. He said, Lord, this is all an opportunity for me to declare the gospel and reveal the mystery. How do you see your suffering? How do you see your, observe, your adversity? How do you view the hurts and hang-ups of your past and the hardships that you're going through and the difficulties that you're facing. We as a Christian culture tend to react to the pressure of the secular culture and when our rights are infringed upon, 
We say, oh, we're being persecuted, and we demand our rights. Paul is saying, I'm willing to leverage my rights. I'm willing to give up my freedom because I get to preach the gospel. Now, I'm not saying go to jail and be a missionary. But I am saying that whatever adversity that you're going through, understand that God can use it as a platform, an open door, and an opportunity to make Christ known. He's doing that. And Paul sees that. He's praying for boldness to speak up. He's praying for wisdom to speak out. He's praying for the open door to show up and to be able to declare it. Have you ever thought about praying those three kinds of things for yourself as a witness to other people? Lord, help me. Give me the opportunity. Give me the wisdom to explain it. And give me the courage to not hold back, but to make the gospel clear to other people, the good news to others. He will do that. So this is what I'd like to do. Dan's going to come. He's just going to play quietly on the the guitar. And we're just going to take a few minutes. We're just going to pause here and just spend some time praying, okay? And I'm going to just guide you and lead you in some praying as well, all right? As we bow now in prayer, just, I want to ask you to do two things. I just want to ask you just to search your own heart and just think of, think of a couple things that you're just really grateful for right now and tell God how grateful you are. In the quietness of your heart, just tell him, worship him, honor him. I'm so grateful for these gifts, Lord. Thank you. I'm just so grateful for these gifts. I thank you. Would you just take a moment and do that, please? Now, would you just take a moment, and this is a little harder. It's easy to give thanks for stuff, but can you just take a moment and just ask, you know, God, is there anything that I need to make right with you? Anything that I've said or done or thought that was sinful and wrong? Help me turn away from that now and turn to you with all my heart. Would you just take a moment and pray about that too? What was the name of that person that was on that blue card or that pink card? Do you remember their name? Would you just pray for them right now? Would you just pray that they would grow in their prayer life, that they would be blessed and encouraged by the Lord, that they would know Him better and surrender to His, His will and see how they could serve Him? If, if you don't have a name, maybe you're a guest here today or you forgot the name, that's okay. Pray, pray for your spouse that way or, or, or pray for one of your kids or, or, or pray for a friend. But would you just take a moment and pray for somebody else? God, help them know you. God, help them yield to you. God, help them see how to specifically serve you.
God, give them the courage to serve you that way. There's a huge need in our church and in our community. And this huge need affects the kingdom of God in a very powerful way and will have a tremendous impact on the next generation. And that is we need people, we need workers, laborers who will help teach our children. This is true in kids' church. This is true in Power Source. Five Alive for the four and five-year-olds. It's true in the nursery and in the toddler church. It's true with the teenagers. It's true with Friday nights with Celebrate Recovery. We had 16 children come to Celebrate Recovery this past Friday night, 41 adults. And we desperately need folks to help. Maybe you can't be the helper. Maybe you're not the worker, but you can pray that God would send the helpers we need. Would you pray for laborers? Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth his laborers into his harvest. And then, can you picture in your mind, your mind's eye, can you picture a loved one, a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, that you just, you care very deeply about and you just, you want so badly for them to come to faith in Christ and begin following Jesus. Can you picture them? Would you pray right now would you, would you pray that God would give you an opportunity, an open door to tell the good news of Jesus to them? Would you, would you ask for that? Some of you are scared to, to pray for that. Well, then that's why you should pray for boldness. So maybe pray for that too. God, give me an open door and give me the boldness to go through it. And some are thinking, I don't know what to say then pray for wisdom. God, show me the things to say to be a faithful witness to them. I pray for their salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you hear our prayers. And we pray for all these folks that we've just mentioned right now in prayer, every man, every woman, every boy and girl. Lord, we lift them up to you and we pray for their salvation and we pray that they would be standing one day before your throne giving praise and glory and honor to your name because 
they have come to faith in Jesus. Help us to be bold in speaking up. Give us the opportunity to speak up and give us the wisdom, the clarity to make the gospel clear and understandable to people. Help us do that, Lord. Raise up the laborers that we need. Send them, Lord. We're helpless. We need your help. And Lord, we ask that you also would just bless the people that we've been praying for this summer. Encourage each one of these folks to know you better and to surrender to your will and to see specific ways that they can serve you and give them the courage, the boldness to serve you that way. And and I ask that for myself as well. Lord, thank you for hearing and answering our prayers for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, just to kind of hold your attention for a little longer, I'm going to ask Stephanie Thorne to come up here. And Stephanie uh, wrote a song and uh, sang it at one of our group meetings on Friday night. And uh, it was a very powerful song about spiritual warfare because this is a gal that believes in the power of praying for her husband and praying for others. And so I'd like to, we, we didn't get to rehearse this. I heard this song, so you know, cut us a little slack here. But uh, I, think, I think you'll be really blessed when you hear what Stephanie has. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for giving us a, a powerful reminder of the power of prayer when it comes to praying for a spouse especially. I want to share one last thing with you before we take communion together. And that is there's a secret to prevailing prayer. There's, there's a key that unlocks prevailing prayer. There's the one thing that we need more than anything else if we're going to prevail in prayer. Yeah, you need the Holy Spirit's help. Yeah, you need to be all in and say, I'm, I'm fully devoted to this. But if you're going to prevail in prayer, you need to notice what happens and what's said in these closing verses of chapter 6. Chapter six. Now, a lot of times when you read in Paul's letters, there's kind of like this closing and he greets people and things like that. And there's a prayer for their blessing. He explains the circumstances why he sent this letter. But this ending is very short, but I want you to see something very powerful here. Verse 21, so that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, Paul and his team, and that he may encourage or strengthen your hearts. Paul was very concerned for these Christians that were in ancient Asia Minor in Ephesus, and he was praying for them even though he himself was locked up and ready to go on trial before Caesar. So he sends Tychicus, who's mentioned in Acts chapter 20 and and, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and in Titus chapter 3. He was one of Paul's missionary co-laborers, one of his colleagues in the ministry, and he was often dispatched by Paul, taking these letters and giving messages of encouragement to the people that Paul had led to the Lord. I'm wondering if you and I will take what we're learning from this book and our understanding of our identity in Christ and be a Tychicus to somebody else and encourage them and strengthen their heart as we share the gospel with them and pray for them and be faithful to them. But here's the secret in verse 23. Peace to the brothers, literally brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a great blessing. I'm, I'm praying that you will know God's love, that you'll have God's peace, and that you'll grow in faith, literally faithfulness, that you'll grow in your faithfulness, and this will come from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Then notice verse 24. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible, literally undying. The reason you and I can pray prevailing prayers, the reason why we can have all out prayer and see God work is because we pray with an undying love for Jesus because he loved us with a dying love. He took your place, he took my place so that we would be forgiven and accepted with God. He died for us and rose from the dead that we might get this new identity in Christ, that we wouldn't just be people who are created in the image of God, as wonderful as that is, but that we would become the children of God and members of his army and given this gift of prayer, this privilege of prayer. And now we can prevail in prayer when we have that undying love and devotion to him. Why? Because that's exactly what he did for you and I. He died for us. He gave himself for us. He's praying for us. He sends his spirit to help us pray. He's making it all happen. We prevail in prayer because we have a savior who prevailed on the cross and prevailed in the empty tomb. And one day he's coming back in glory and power. And all of our faith will become sight. We won't need faith anymore because we'll see him as he is and we'll become just like him. Prevail in prayer. Have an undying love for Jesus in prayer because Jesus died for you to show his love and devotion to you. Prayer prevails, but only if we pray. You can believe in prayer or you can pray. I hope you and I will pray. That's what we need to do. I'd like us to share the Lord's table now. We're gonna ask God's blessing on the bread and the cup, and as we do this, we're just gonna pause and ask God to, to really help us to see that what Christ has done in giving his life for us, as he did this, it now opens the door for us to be able to pray and serve him and fight for him for his honor and for his glory. You don't have to be a member of Littlestown Chapel to participate in the communion service here, but it is important that you be someone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, now is the time, today is the day, to trust in the one who showed his love for you to such a degree that he was willing to die for you and live for you, that you might become the child of God and become a member of his army in the fight for what is right and for what is good. So would you pray with me please now? Father, we beg you and pray to you and ask you please to fill us with your spirit, to open our hearts and minds, to pray and pray in a prevailing way, to be all in and not hold back. And I pray, Father, that truly um, that we would fight the good fight and pray. I thank you that our Lord Jesus conquered death. He fought against it and won. That he fought against the devil and won. He fought against our sin and shame and won. And because he is victorious, 
Lord of all, we can pray in His name. Thank you for that, Father. I would ask that you would help those who have not yet trusted Christ to do so today, the people who are here today, the people listening to this today, that they would surrender their hearts to you and cry out, Lord, I trust you and I surrender to you. Please save me. I would ask that you would bless the bread and the cup that we're about to share. Bless what they represent, the body and blood of Christ, our forgiveness and acceptance with him. And may we bring glory and honor to your name as the people who serve you this way. Teach us to pray, Lord. We ask us in Jesus' name. Amen.